Hello, everyone. Welcome to the post-Stanley Cup Championship edition of the LightningInsider.com podcast. I am Eric Rowlandson from LightningInsider.com. Ahead of the expansion draft, a look ahead to the off-season because the off-season is already here. As we know, Barclay Goodrow and his rights were already moved to the New York Rangers in exchange for a seventh-round draft pick in the 2022 draft and word on the street is Goodrow has already agreed to the terms of a six-year deal that's going to pay him in the neighborhood of $3.5 million uh, in terms of a salary cap hit. Uh, so Barclay Goodrow expected to be a long-term member of the New York Rangers after a season and a half of fantastic hockey. He provided for Tampa Bay a big part of their back-to-back, yes, back-to-back Stanley Cup championship. So we wish Barclay Goodrow all the best and what he did for this team and, you know, the sacrifices that he made to help get this team to a Stanley Cup title. Uh, and that was the first indication that the offseason was here. Um, if there was any indication about how close next year already is, I mean, the champagne probably hasn't even really dried yet, right? Like there's, there's probably still some champagne to, to sip out of the cup. Uh, of course, after it made its way back from Montreal, following the a mishap, if you will, at the tail end of the boat parade situation. Uh, but the cup looks no worse for wear. Has already started to make its rounds. Ross Colton had his day in New Jersey with the Kevin Shattenkirk. Of course, most players did not get the opportunity to spend a day with the cup after last year. So Kevin Shattenkirk got an opportunity to have his day with the cup in upstate New York. So it's already starting to make its rounds in the summer, very compressed summer than normal. Of course, usually it's the middle of June when the cup is awarded. We're sitting here now, the middle of July and training camp is just around the corner. And to kind of give you an idea of just how close next season already is, Tampa Bay announced their preseason schedule. It's a seven game schedule. It'll look familiar to anybody who's followed this team for a while. But the first preseason game is going to be September the 28th. That game will be at Carolina on September 30th. will be their first home preseason game. They'll face off against the Nashville Predators. And then on October the 1st, they will host Carolina. All those are 7 p.m. starts. October the 2nd, they are at Nashville, an 8 p.m. start. And then a three-game set against the Florida Panthers starting with October 5th uh, in a game that will be played in Orlando at Amway Center. Uh, That's a 7 p.m. start. That's part of the fact that Tampa Bay did extend their affiliation agreement with the ECHL Orlando Solar Bears. So again, October 5th versus Florida preseason game will be played in Orlando, and then they close out with back-to-back games October the 7th at home against Florida, followed by October the 8th at Florida. That is, uh, those are both seven p.m. starts as well and the the regular season is scheduled to begin somewhere around October the 12th Uh, so look for that schedule to be released in the coming days if it hasn't already been by the time you are listening to this podcast so yes next season is already here the draft is coming up those uh, round one will be held on July the 22nd uh, sorry July 23rd Friday the 23rd and rounds two through seven will be held on the 24th. Uh, So the entry draft is here. Free agency starts on July the 27th. Uh, But of course, before we get to that, 
the topic du jour around the NHL in the uh, past couple days and leading up to Wednesday night is the expansion draft. Yes, the Seattle Kraken will be the league's 32nd member. They will begin play uh, in October. They've already released their preseason schedule, even though they don't have a team yet. And that's what uh, a big chunk of what we're going to discuss here today is the expansion draft and how it affects Tampa Bay, the protected list that they did distribute, uh, as well as who is available, and just what might happen as we're not even really recovered from the boat parade yet, right? As I mentioned, I missed the parade. I did not have an opportunity to go to it. I was at the one back in September when they won in uh, in the bubble and they held the boat parade here in Tampa. I uh, was not able to attend this one, uh, but I hope everybody uh, that was there had some fun, celebrated, enjoyed it. I know it ended on a very wet note with those wonderful afternoon thunderstorms that can roll through the Tampa Bay area and put a damper uh, on a parade, but uh, it didn't put a damper on the parade, right? It didn't really put a damper on the celebration as we watched Deani Gord go back and forth on the stage with one of those uh, equipment rollers uh, that he was on. So the party certainly didn't stop. It didn't, uh, they weren't able to hold the full celebration they wanted to because of the weather, uh, but it was a lot of fun to watch. I did witness it, I did uh, watch it from my location where I was with my family. And uh, looked pretty fun. Uh, I hope everybody saw those great smack apparel. Apparel? Did you catch the Nikita Kucherov number one BS shirt? That's a podcast. We can say a number one bullshit shirt. Did you catch the Nikita Kucherov 18 million over the cap shirt? Uh, the back to boat shirts. I saw Steven Stamkos was wearing one of those. I hope he took advantage of that Bolts 21 promo code. Uh, still available. Uh, I don't know what the inventory is. They, they certainly uh, slowed down on the inventory. In recent days, but uh, you can go check it out. See if that uh, use that code Bolts Twenty One for more of that great Smack Apparel T-shirts. Uh, and really, the bolt the the code will work for any order you ask for. Again, they are a local company. Uh, check them out. You saw those shirts running around uh, the 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 parade area. So go check those out. All right, the expansion draft. Let's set up the parameters first of the draft. There are 30 teams that had to have a protected list. And one of the big questions I've seen bantered about is how come Vegas is exempt from this? Well, Vegas is exempt from this for two reasons. Number one, because they're just in their fourth year. They, as part of their entrance into the league, this was going to be part of their situation when the 32nd team did come in. They would not have to lose a player off that list. And the second part of that is the expansion fee that Seattle paid, Vegas will not receive a cut of that. So that's the trade-off. They don't lose a player, but they don't get to partake in the expansion spoils, if you will. They don't get a cut of the expansion fee that Seattle's paying. So that's why there are only 30 teams that uh, Seattle will be choosing from with Vegas, the lone exception. Now, one player from each team. This is not a dual expansion draft. This is not like when Ottawa and Tampa Bay came in or Minnesota or any of those teams. There was, you know, there were pretty much two teams that came in both of those times. Uh, but just like the situation with Vegas, each team will lose no more than one player. That's it. Vegas can, or sorry, Seattle can pick no more than one player off of each team. 
They must pick one player from each team. So they will have a 30-man roster, if you will. Among that, they have to have 20 players who are under contract for the 2021-22 season, and they must meet a uh, threshold, salary cap threshold of at least 60% of the $81.5 million salary cap. So those are the parameters that they have to hit. They have to have 20 players under contract that do hit that 60% or higher. So it's a minimum 60% threshold on uh, the players that they have to select. So they have to be somewhere around the $60 million range, you know, somewhere in the 50 to $60 million range in terms of what they have to draft. They also have to draft a minimum 14 forwards, eight defensemen, and three goaltenders. So do the math, that's 25. So that's 25 of the 30. The extra five, they can do whatever they want in terms of who they pick. All of this will be revealed when the expansion draft is on, held on Wednesday night. It'll be 8 p.m. It will be broadcast on ESPN2. Yes, ESPN is taking over the broadcasting here, so it's not an NBC Sports Game 5 between Tampa Bay and Montreal was the final uh, broadcast of anything between the league and NBC Sports. Uh, so it will be broadcast on ESPN2. So here's the situation with the Lightning. So we know the list. You've seen the list in case you haven't seen it. Uh, they did choose they, – they had two options. They had – you could protect seven forwards, three defense, and one goalie, or eight skaters and one goalie. The Lightning opted this time around to protect eight skaters. Those eight skaters are evenly divided for forwards and four defensemen. So your four forwards are Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, and Anthony Sorelli. Those are the four forwards who are protected by Tampa Bay. On defense, they have chosen to protect four. Victor Hedman, Eric Chernak, Ryan McDonough, and Mikhail Sergachev. And of course, Andre Vasilevsky is the protected goaltender here. So I'm, uh, I'm only a tad surprised in the route that Tampa Bay went, because if anybody read uh, the one thing that I did put up prior to the list coming out, I would have factored in protecting your forward depth. I would have expected Tampa Bay to protect Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, Sorelli, Palat, Kalorn, just to protect your top six guys. And then Yanni Gord would have been the seventh. Uh, and that would have left the three defensemen to protect, would have been Hedman, Chernak, and Sergachev. And my rationale on that thought was, with McDonough's contract, a $6.75 million salary cap hit the next five years. I would, have think, I would think that Seattle would probably shy away from that. I'm not sure they want to bring in a defenseman at the age of 32, who will be 37 by the time the contract expires. And a salary cap hit of $6.75 million per year. McDonough is actually, in terms of defense, has the longest remaining number of years on his deal. But that's not the route that Tampa Bay went. 
Instead, they opted for this. And I was told this a couple of days after I had posted something that the team was actually leaning towards the four and four route as opposed to the seven and three route. And the thought process being twofold here. First, if you want the best chance at a three-peat, Ryan McDonough helps you big time. It's not even close. I mean, he's such a big factor on this team. It doesn't get the notoriety of a Victor Hedman, but he was as steady of a player outside of Andre Vasilevsky as they had in the playoffs. He was so consistently good in the middle of so many big moments in uh, in the postseason. And just imagine, just imagine if he had scored that goal at the end of uh, of game number four between the Islanders and, and Tampa Bay in the semifinal round. If he'd have scored that magical goal, how much bigger of an impact he might have had in the postseason. And as I explained on the last podcast, I actually gave him a Conn Smythe vote over Braden Point. Uh, he was just that good from, from start to end. So if you want the better chance at a three-peat here, Ryan McDonough gives you a better chance because the Lightning just don't have the depth on the back end that they've had up front. And that's, you know, this is going on a couple of years now, right? This is a reason why they had to go out and acquire Mikhail Sergachev why they had to go out and acquire David Savard at the trade deadline. You know, you need the depth, and that was the thought process behind it. Now, what does this do for the forwards? Well, it leaves a ton of possibilities wide open. I know there's a lot of uh, disconcerting fans asking about why Yanni Gord wasn't protected, and I certainly understand that. That's why I would have figured they would have went the 7-3 route, and included Gord in that. But if you factor in that Tampa Bay will lose no more than one player here, they will lose no more than one forward here, that, and you look, you need to shed salary, salary cap space anyway, and you have to hope that Seattle takes somebody that's making some salary off your roster. And then look, when you've won back-to-back championships, your players are coveted. They are. It's just the way it is. It's a big reason why Barclay Goodrow was acquired by the Rangers, right? He can easily bring championship experience now to a a Rangers locker room uh, that's young and wants to kind of take that next step in their ascension. It's the same reason why Blake Coleman's going to get paid. David Savard's stock probably rose. And when you have players now exposed to Seattle, well, that factors in too. So if you're Ron Francis and you're examining the number of players who are available to you and you're looking at Tampa Bay's roster, there are a ton of good options for you. Alex Kalorn, Andre Palat. Yanni Gord, Tyler Johnson, Ross Colton, Matthew Joseph, Cal Foote. There are a ton of players here that Seattle can choose from. Now, I will say this. I have to believe that Julian Brisebois, who said in his postseason wrap-up that he was willing 
to listen and make a deal with Seattle. It's not going to give you more insight beyond that, but you would have to think that with that thought process and Seattle wanting to make a splash, that there's some sort of deal here in place to where the Lightning are able to go down this route in terms of their protected list knowing who Seattle's already going to take because maybe there's already been a deal worked out. I, I I wish I had complete insight into that. I don't have it here as we speak right now. But you'd have to think that they're willing to give up. And look, the price is high. Lisa certainly was heading into the deadline for teams to submit their rosters, their protected list rather, and that was on Saturday that Ron Francis was asking for first-round draft picks in order to do it. Now, remember, in 2017, Steve Eisenman did pull off a side deal with Vegas and George McPhee, the GM at the time of the Golden Knights, for them to take Jason Garrison, who was making, you know, in the $5 million range at the time, off their hands to help alleviate some salary cap and also protect, at the time, Slater Cuckoo and Jake Dotson. It's four years ago. We can judge all we want on that, but that was the case at the time. In return, Steve Eiserman sent a second round draft pick and the rights to Nikita Gusev to Vegas to entice them, to make a deal with them, to take Jason Garrison. So I have to think in this circumstance, in this situation, as much as teams probably aren't as willing to make deals with Seattle the way they did with Vegas, especially given how quickly Vegas had success, I mean, four years in the league, four playoff appearances, three conference finals, last semifinal appearances, one Stanley Cup final appearance. So I'm thinking that a lot of GMs, and a lot of them are still active from 2017, are maybe not as willing to provide those type of side deals. But if I'm Julian Brisebois here, and you know you have to give up salary cap space, you need to alleviate salary cap space off your team heading into next year, I find it hard to think that there's not some sort of side deal here in place. Does that mean that Tyler Johnson is the guy that they're looking for Seattle to take? You can make that argument. You can make that case. And look, I, I you know a lot of people want to sit here and say he's a hometown boy. He's not really a hometown boy. I mean, he's from Spokane. The team is from Seattle. Yeah, I know it's the same state, but it's kind of like saying somebody from Tallahassee is a hometown boy for a team in Miami, right? Like it's it's a, a you know a little over four hour distance drive wise between Spokane. And Seattle on opposite ends of the state. I mean, Spokane is not far from the Idaho border. But he is one of the few Washington State-born players who are in the league. So could you entice Seattle to say, hey, two-time Stanley Cup champion, former Memorial Cup champion with Spokane, played great in the playoffs, look how good he is at center, that you couldn't pull off a side. And now what would that cost? Well, remember, Tampa Bay does not have a first-round draft pick this year. 
They sent that to Columbus in the David Savard deal. So they can't send a first-round draft pick to the Kraken this year. But they do have next year's first-round draft pick. And really, I mean, draft picks are a commodity. And right now, the Lightning just don't have a ton of them. Because even going into this draft, the 2020, uh, the 21 draft, they don't have a first or second round draft pick. As of right now, they have picks in the third, fifth, sixth, and then three in the seventh. Next year, they don't have a second or a third. They do have their first, but they don't have a second or a third. So there's not a ton of draft picks here for Julian Brisebois to send Seattle's way. So are there other ways to make that happen? Of course there are. What if you said, we'll give you Matthew Joseph as well? You know, what if we gave you Alex Barry-Boulay as well? Because the Lightning have to, like I said, the Lightning have to shed salary cap. I think in this circumstance, you want Seattle to take somebody with some salary cap space on their contract because the way the summer sets up, the offseason sets up, if Seattle does not take one of those forwards that we've discussed for a year and a half, you know, Kalorn or Palat or Johnson or Gord that are making, you know, between 4.8 and 5.5 million dollars, then that makes the offseason more difficult for Julian to pull off. As I mentioned, they are already three and a half million dollars over the $81.5 million salary cap. You need to sign a backup goaltender, so there's one signing you have to make already. And yes, you can hope and you're anticipating that possibly guys like Taylor Radish and Barry Boulay and Boris Kachuk and Matthew Joseph, if he's here, can take on bigger roles. Ross Colton can take on expanded roles. Because of the loss of a Barkley Goodrow, because of the anticipated loss of Blake Coleman. That these guys can step in and kind of take on somewhat similar roles as those guys. But if Seattle, if there's no side deal here in place, and let's say Seattle decides to take a younger player, what if they what if they like Ross Colton? Versatile, young, big impact in his rookie year, obviously. Huge goal in, in Game 5, a one nothing victory. The only goal in the cup-clinching uh, series, cup-clinching cup game to clinch the final. What if they decided to take a Matthew Joseph? What if they decided to take a Cal Foot? Cal Foot's exposed here, right? Couldn't protect him. Young defenseman, right-hand shot, good size. Had a good first half of the year, tailed off the second half of the season. But coming into his fourth-year pro. What if Seattle takes one of those players? All of a sudden now, Julian's job becomes a little more difficult and shedding salary cap space, and, and you've lost some of your depth anyway. And, and honestly, on, on, the, on the trade market, and it's, it'll be a little bit more open this year than it has been in pre, in, well, than it was last year when there was so much uncertainty in the offseason about when or even if the league was going to play. We know that the schedule is anticipated to be a full 82-game schedule, as usual, back to the regular divisions. So the trade market will look different, more 
there will be more opportunities in this trade market than there were last year. But if you lose one of those younger players to Seattle in the expansion draft, do you think there are many GMs around the league knowing the cap situation the Lightning are in are going to be helpful to a team that just won back-to-back cups? Not a chance. Not a chance. So what was it we talked about last year when Tyler Johnson was asked to submit a trade list, you know, a list of teams that he'd be willing to waive his no-trade clause to be moved to? Well, you're going to have to put in a sweetener. Tampa Bay is going to have to add in something because they know they have to shed salary cap space. Teams know that they have to shed salary cap space. So in order for a team to, quote-unquote, help you out, you're going to have to sweeten the pot, quote-unquote. No different here, right? It's no different here. So if a situation is the same, you're going to have to sweeten the pot. But that's, that's, I think that's the idea here. Make sure that, that Seattle takes one of those players, and if you've already, you've already announced who that's going to be, right? You want that to be Tyler Johnson because we went through that whole situation last year. Or at least in the offseason. So that's my expectation heading into the expansion draft in terms of who Tampa Bay is going to lose. Now it's just a question of whether that's going to happen. And again, the expansion draft takes place on Wednesday at 8 p.m. It will be held in Seattle. You can expect that because the list will be submitted to the league before the, the names are announced. So you'll actually see, just we, like we did in 2017, you'll see some of the players that Seattle's going to select will be there to be introduced to the crowd, wearing these new sharp-looking Kraken jerseys. So that, again, will take place on Wednesday. I, I need to answer this question because it's been asked a lot because I've seen a lot of people say, well, how come Ross Colton, I didn't think he was eligible to be exposed because he's he was a rookie. The parameters of it, anybody who has two or fewer years of pro experience, right? So that's not NHL experience. That's pro experience. Anybody two years or fewer are exempt. Ross Colton, of course, just finishes third year pro. Cal Foote just finishes third year pro. Alex Barry Boulay. Taylor Radish, Boris Kuchuk, all those guys just finished with third-year pro, right? Not third-year NHL, third-year pro. So that's why guys like Colton and Foote uh, are, uh, do have to either be protected or exposed here to the expansion draft. So that's a, a big question that's come up quite a bit here in the conversations over the last few days. So again, expansion draft takes place on Wednesday at 8 p.m., the entry draft will be held this weekend as well again on Friday, July the 23rd is round one. The remainder of the draft will be held on Saturday the 24th. And then free agency opens July 27th. And then before you know it, training camp is going to be here. Uh, so expect the schedule to be released here in the coming days as we get set for the offseason and the major changes that are coming so the Tampa Bay Lightning and the first step in that direction takes place with whomever Seattle selects. All right, we're going to let the draft play out and probably 
at least a couple of days into free agency play out before we come back with another podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe to this. Make sure you hit like. Make sure you leave a comment, especially on Apple if you listen to this on your Apple uh, podcasts. Uh, share it. Let your friends know it's out there. Um, if you ever have any questions, my email is eric at lightninginsider.com. My Twitter handle is at eric underscore Erlinson, E-R-I-K underscore E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S-O-N. On Twitter, again, very active on the Twitter uh, dot com, the old twitter.com if you want to reach out to me there. Uh, of course, my website, lightninginsider.com as well. Uh, sign up for a subscription there if you are able to. I appreciate any and all support that I continue to get, and I'll be back with another podcast here uh, sometime after the opening of free agency. Until then, talk to you soon.